temple yesterday, I suddenly thought of this beloved song. We were truly in a house built by a wise man, um, and of course it was built on the rock of the Savior. Uh, there, were, there were indeed rains, metaphorically, uh, coming down and floods coming up outside, but we were firm and still in the house of the Lord. Uh, there will never ever be a shortage of trouble and trials and scary things happening in the world. Um, and the storms, literally and figuratively, I think will probably only escalate and continue to rage on. That's something that we can count on. Uh, but the great news is that as we draw near to the Savior, all will be well. There's no shortage of peace to be found as we're carried in the arms of Christ. And in fact, I would venture to suggest that not only does the Savior have the power to make everything okay, but he has the power to make everything amazing, much more than okay. One of my favorite scriptures is found in 2 Nephi, chapter 2, verse 2. Um, Lehi assures his son, Thou knowest the greatness of God, and he shall consecrate thine afflictions for thy gain. Some of our trials do come from God. Some of them come from other sources. Some things in life are terrible and painful and evil. But the promise of the Lord is that he has the power to consecrate all those things for our good. And meaning to set them apart to be used to benefit us. Um, and even to be used exclusively to benefit us. Only he has descended lower than the rest of us. And... Only he has ascended beyond greatness, beyond the great, greatest greatness that we can imagine. Say. Um, we can ascend beyond the trouble that we are faced with when we use our agency to be founded on Christ, not just with that wise man building his house. Another favorite song of mine is Hymn um, 85, How Firm a Foundation. I'm especially fond of the fifth verse. I turned to, to this verse many times during my mission um, to offer me comfort and guidance. Um, it says, When through fiery trials a pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume, thy dross to consume. I dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The scary and bad things that happen in the world can actually make us better. That's what this verse teaches me. But we have to use our agency to turn to Christ. He, he can't and he won't forcefully consecrate our afflictions. And he needs to have our permission to do that. On, on what's, I think, an emotionally challenging anniversary, I think about a sister from the first period that I served in. I worked with her right after her baptism. That's when I came into my mission. Um, her husband was our ward mission leader. And in his youth, he had fallen away, taking a path of what he described as poor choices, including um, drugs, drinking, immorality, um, everything that, that probably makes moms worry. Uh, and eventually, he, he met and married Brenda, sister of Lovett. And they had two beautiful daughters. Um, then September 11, 2001 came, and she said, well, Verl, it's time to get our family to church. Uh, he, knew, he only knew his church of origin, um, and so that's where they went. And Sister Lovett 
following that decision. She continued to be a, what you might call a dry Mormon for about 13 years. That's how she described herself. Uh, she met with countless missionaries, um, much to I think, their frustration. She attended church. She even held down a calling. She spoke in sacrament meeting. Um, but she never got baptized until another big life event happened. Their oldest daughter was married in the temple, and their youngest daughter was called to serve a mission. Um, and so she also went through the temple within um, less than a month of each other. And Sister Love described sitting outside of the temple while the rest of her family was inside, and she thought to herself, how can I let my uncertainty get between me and my family's eternity? To make a long story short, last month, brother and sister Levitt uh, and their oldest daughter flew out to pick up sister Levitt Jr. from her mission. They surprised her by going to the nearest temple um, together to be sealed. That is a long-range view, right? It's been 15 years since the Lord consecrated a major act of evil and destruction to the good of this family. And only a month ago did that good really come together. Only the power of the atonement is strong enough to turn something as evil as a terrorist act into something as good as a family um, converted together and united in the temple. And only the atonement can do that because Jesus Christ experienced every negative repercussion of every act of evil ever. And he came out on top in his perfect glory. Now this opposition is powerful because it reminds us of the humility with which we should approach our Savior. As Sister Levitt's fear in a scary time uh, reminded her that she needed to come, to come to Christ always. And when I think about troubles and trials, I think about my friend Andrew. This fellow told us that he had probably broken every commandment, and I, I believe him. Um, his past was a, a sniper in the military, and, and he was a white supremacist skinhead for a while, and then he got married, then divorced, and for a while he was a wicked high priest. So I think he just experienced um, some, some really hard things that I will probably never even come close to feeling or seeing or doing. Um, and his tattoos told the whole story all over his face and body. When we met him, he was crashing on the, crashing on the couch of another investigator because he had nowhere else to go. Uh, their whole family had many trials to overcome. They, they lived in a smoky trailer full of cats. And I actually kind of loved going there because one of the cats just had kittens. And I would sit on the floor with a pile of kittens gathering my skirt while I taught and testified. Um, and one day we were sitting in the dim afternoon light of their trailer, um, and there were you know the kittens squirming on my lap. And I invited Andrew's friend, or our investigator at the time, to church. And he was just kind of lurking in the next room. And suddenly he said, "Well, Crystal, if you go to church, I'll come to church." And everyone in the house, they kind of were shocked. They're like, Andrew, going to church? They're like, he's going to burn out the snake walks in. And I was like, no, you'll love it there. And they'll love it there. Um, I, I tried not to stare at his beard, his, his braided goatee, um, as I realized that he'd been quietly listening the whole time. Um, I said to him, Andrew, would you like to pray for us? He didn't really feel worthy to pray. He didn't want to. He was nervous, but uh, with a little bit of coaxing, 
we taught him the basics of prayer. And I'm not really accustomed to loving people who have swastikas tattooed on their body. I'm kind of used to fearing or um, maybe avoiding people like that. But the Lord is used to loving people who break every commandment. That's kind of like his, his thing, right? He's used to people who break most of the commandments or some of the commandments or who do pretty good at keeping most of them and still slip up every time. Um, and he's used to loving us all the same. And Andrew had every reason to feel trouble in the world. But for just a few minutes that day, we all felt peace together um, with the peace of the Lord as he bowed his head and asked his father for forgiveness, for guidance, and for blessings. When I listened to Andrew pray in that squalid trailer, which was his only alternative to being homeless, um, I felt the Lord's love for him. And together we, we all enjoyed a moment of true, pure, and perfect peace. Our Savior wants us to feel that kind of peace all the time. And we have access to that, that kind of prayer, the prayer of peace, as often as we're willing to connect with him. In Andrew's case, and in all of our cases, there's never an advantage to sinning, per se. But when we put those mistakes in the hands of Jesus Christ, um, they can be transformed by some divine alchemy into something wonderful, such as that powerful humility that we experienced that day. Um, I remember a challenging time on my mission. I felt like I made a mistake. I, I wasn't acting in line with God's plan for me and for our area. And I had a wise district leader. He said, even when we mess up, it's amazing how God can turn, can turn the worst situations around to be something great if we let him. Um, and the same day I was driving with my companion, Sister Anderson, we missed a turn. And she said, look, look how that GPS can reroute you. Heavenly Father can do that too. And you know, some, of, some of the trouble that we face in the world is on that, that worldwide or national or international level. Um, some of the trouble that we face is because of mistakes or sins, um, but a lot of it is intensely personal, but at the same time kind of out of our control. Um, and this is the case with the Dubik family. So they're a family that I loved working with in the last ward that I served in. Brother Dubik had been fighting cancer for 10 years when I got there. He taught gospel principles, and I worked with him closely, um, as well as with his wife. His wife. Um, in the, the last few weeks of his life, Brother Dubik um, shared his gratitude and testimony on Fast Sunday. Uh, we saw him approach the pulpit, physically so frail, but spiritually powerful, um, with the, the fire of faith in his weak voice, as he spoke of the deep gratitude he felt from the blessings of all understanding. He knew that his death was imminent. We all did. Um, but he had a peace that is even actually greater than the peace of moral safety. Um, he had the peace of, of feeling right with God. And at his funeral, just a few weeks later, his wife spoke of how they prayed every night, thanking God for the cancer. Um, even, she said, when, when she had to choke on those words of gratitude. Um, in her profound agony, she told us that 
their love had grown deeper and would continue to grow deeper um, in that, that time of separation for them. Uh, not despite, but because of his cancer and death. Of course, Jesus Christ is our perfect example of peace. It's comforting to me that he knows everything, and he is the one who probably has the most peace, feels the calmest about the future. Uh, just as he was able to sleep calmly in the midst of a raging tempest, he knows exactly how bad things are going to get, but he knows how good things are going to get, too. Uh, he's seen the future, he knows it perfectly, and he's not afraid. Um, and of course, we, we know that we can find peace in Christ, but how do we go about turning to him, building our foundation on Jesus Christ? There are innumerable ways to do that, um, to come into Christ. And you probably know most of them already, but as a reminder, I think the following three activities are especially wonderful for being as peace in, in those times of trouble. Um, first of all, the temple is a refuge from the turmoil inherent to living in the last days. Worldly fear and stress struggle to breach the walls of the temple. Um, it's, it's hard to bring those in. Uh, and the temple is a sanctuary for our minds and our hearts. It's a little bit, I think of it as like the opposite of watching the news, you know, the, the feelings that it gives me. Um, and the peace of the temple, it has the power to put everything into its proper perspective. And that, that good maternal perspective that we love. Um, second, I, I think of the sacrament as a time of peace. It has the power to facilitate repentance um, and making and keeping covenants with the Lord. The peace of the atonement can oppose the deep-seated trouble that necessarily and always accompanies sin. And the sacrament is the answer to things that we can't face by ourselves. And I know that it's given me so much power to move on, to grow, and to become more like my Savior, um, who is, again, our, our perfect example of peace. Finally, a, a major source of peace um, in times of trial is the Book of Mormon. Uh, Book of Mormon brings the power of the Spirit into our lives. God's power can be found in His words. Uh, Book of Mormon is also amazing because it is the means of our testimonies. Uh, the purpose of the Book of Mormon is to provide people in our dispensation, this day and time, with the testimony of Jesus Christ. My mission presence wife would always say, uh, if you're struggling with your testimony, all you have to do is read the Book of Mormon. She'd say that a lot. And it is, it is that simple. Um, a committed, sincere study of the Book of Mormon will yield a testimony of Jesus Christ, a conversion to him. Uh, I know this because of the testimony of Jesus Christ that I gained on my mission, uh, both through experiencing the atonement personally and also through, through learning the atonement by the power of the Spirit as I read the Book of Mormon. And I just like to share that testimony. I love, I love sharing my testimony because I, I feel that, that it's not just my power that I have, but it's God's power. I, I feel the angels um, echoing my words and my faith. And I just want to share that I do know that Jesus Christ is our Savior. That is that's something that I feel certain about. I know that that we are in a congregation. Um, that, that is his body, his community. Um, and I trust, I have faith, and I also know that 
He has perfect direction over the work that we do here. I know that He has given us everything that we need to return to Him. And I know that His most desperate desire is to be able to say to us, Come unto me, be blessed, uh, come abide with me forever. And it's, it's my deepest desire to hear those words as well. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.